Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, Cats Talk with Vinny and Terry is on the air. Turning to the Brown and Hardy Radio Network and BlockTalkRadio.com. Vinny Hardy here. Terry Brown will be along as well. Look forward to having another good show this evening. Got plenty to talk about. Uh, Kentucky made history down in Knoxville. Definitely talking about all of that. Uh, we also have a couple of guests on tonight that are going to provide some nice insight for us on the show as well. Uh, we look, of course, at Kentucky's past two victories. Look at their upcoming game against the Auburn Tigers. Look at their wins against South Carolina Gamecocks on Saturday. And last night against the Tennessee Volunteers down in Knoxville, the history-making wins. Put them, propel them to the best start in school history. Hope everybody's having a good Wednesday. Weather has been sketchy in a lot of places. Careful and be safe. Had snow and icy conditions everywhere. Uh, got a lot of cold weather in the forecast coming up. Severe, bitter cold that is on the way. Uh, be careful for that as well. We get down in the single digits and below zero tonight in a lot of places. So wintertime is rearing its ugly head as we get to the end of February. Uh in March definitely around the corner and we'll you kinda of see the light in the tunnel on the calendar as far as springtime arriving. Um T B, Terry Brown 
is on the line in Louisville, Kentucky. How you doing tonight, sir? Cold, man. Cold. That's a, that's about it. Just just cold and just uh you know, like I think everywhere else. Uh lots of uh lots of snow here in the Commonwealth. It's crazy. Yeah, it's been a crazy week. Uh it was snow in Kentucky for the most part. Down here it was ice. Uh so I guess Monday yeah, Monday was ice. <clears throat> I wish it had been snow. Um so just where I work at they just shut down work Tuesday because it was just layers of ice everywhere on the trees, on the power lines. Power went off a couple times, it flickered on and off. Um and then came back on through the night. Uh it melted a little bit today and got a a lot of the snow that everybody else had been getting. Uh, a little bit of accumulation. But now it's just gonna be bitter cold, just like you said. It's supposed to get down below zero single digits for the next couple of nights and then finally a little bit of relief Saturday if things hold up. It'll finally warm up to the twenties and thirties again, which sounds great. Yeah, it's it's funny that we're talking about getting to the twenties as a warm up, but that's kinda of where we are right now. But yeah. uh <laughs> but luckily there's been some things we can uh we can watch on T V starting with the cats last night. And I know we're gonna dive on into that one. A historic win, man. Kentucky made history in Knoxville, Tennessee. And as strong as Kentucky tradition is here this year, two thousand fifteen, we see history happen right in front of our eyes that we're old enough to remember. Breaking a record from you know back before we were born, they eclipsed the twenty five and zero last night, moved to twenty six and zero, uh, the best record in school history. Which I mean, when you say that and let it sink in, it's still that's it's still just unbelievable that we were able to well, see that take place. Well, and and that's the thing is when you deal with programs you know like Kentucky and UCLA, you know basketball. You know, even Duke and Carolina, who are playing tonight, and you look at, you know, Alabama, Notre Dame football. You know, at this late stage, when you see some firsts or some, you know, record-breaking performances, that's pretty special. And we've had a lot of good teams, you know, <laughs> over the last fifty, sixty years at Kentucky, but for this team to be the one to to reach that mark, uh, I think is pretty astounding. Uh, and they did it like they like they've always done. They they took the uh Tennessee's best punch in the in the first half and just and just warmed down with wave after wave of talent in the second half. And before you know it, you know, it's an eighteen point game with just a couple of minutes left. I mean that is uh that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I mean it was um you know, Tennessee was, of course, going to come out and, like you said, come out swinging, especially when you look back to Saturday uh, after Kentucky South Carolina went off. I went ahead and watched Tennessee and LSU because, you know, Kentucky had just played LSU. They were fixed to play Tennessee 
and believe it or not, I hadn't seen a lot of Tennessee, even though I, you know, I lived down here and up among it and hear about it all the time. And I wanted to see how they both just kind of responded. LSU bounced back fine, you know, from barely moving to Kentucky. And they just went into Knoxville and just laid a whooping on Tennessee. Uh, shots were falling from all around. Hornsby was hit. The big guys were going crazy. Mickey was just dominating. Uh, it was 47-20 to 20 at halftime. And uh, Donnie Kendall said that was the worst half of basketball he'd seen. In his coaching career, you know, in 10 years he's been a coach, that's the worst is what they did Saturday. So, of course, they were going to play better last night. And, of course, being Kentucky, undefeated Kentucky just adds to it that much more. Um, but, like you said, Kentucky was able to handle that punch, uh, gave up some, you know, a lot of putbacks on offensive glass. But Booker, I mean, he was in there just mixing it up, getting his nose dirty. Bloody uh, with seven rebounds from your shooting guard, uh, and then they just warmed down in the second half. It was 48-44, and Kentucky closed on the 18-4 run to finish it out with 66-48. And, and and that's the thing is uh, what I think plays to our advantage. You know, here you are. You, you look at Booker. You know, he's your your backup two guard. But he can deliver that type of uh, performance on the road. Uh, my argument has been all year, and I know you've heard me say this: that that's pretty good to beat Kentucky. You you've got to count on a lot of guys not showing up, and I just that's going to be rare for that to happen. You know, you have to go back to Texas A and M, where Andrew Aaron, Willie Cauley Stein. And even to some extent, Carl Towns didn't give you a whole lot as starters, but we still found a way to win, you know, with Dakari coming up big. And, and that's the thing that as we go into March, you know, heading toward the end of the season, I think it's like six or seven more games left in the regular season, uh, that's going to bode well for him because you have to really hope that seven guys have an off night. To, to really be able to compete. So I, I'm, I'm feeling more encouraged as this season uh, goes on. Yeah, and you talk about um, Tyler Ulis. Um, he came in for Andrew Harrison. He came in and played good on both ends. The job he did on Josh Richardson, he hounded him, you know, the full 94 feet. Every time Richardson was bringing it up to court, Ulysses is right there, all in his grill, you know, getting up under it, crowding him, hounding him, hawking him, making him work the ball up. And he's, I mean, he's their, their you know, everything in Tennessee as far as scoring. Uh, you know, he had a good run there for them in the tournament last year against Michigan, uh, where they fell short of meeting Kentucky in the uh, in the regional there. But he's kind of carried that over into his play this year, and he, his scoring is, he's scoring, he's been a good scorer. And he came to UT as a defensive guy, athletic defender, that kind of player. But, uh, you know, he's had some 20 and 30-point games this year. But you had Hewlett hounding him and pestering him, and then you switch and you get Andrew on him, who is, you know, pretty much as big as he is. And so he had to, to deal with both of those guys, giving him different looks, working him, wearing him out, you know, for the full length of the game. And he only had 10 points in the game. So he was well below his average 
And, you know, like you said, continue to impose your will and wear them down. Yeah. Uh, that's the that's the thing is uh, these, these guys come at you in waves, and they're really working like how we, I guess we all kind of assumed uh, last year's team would proceed through the regular season. Just wave after wave after wave, and it just speaks to uh, Andrew and Aaron coming back and Willie Cauley-Stein coming back, the absolute maturity of uh, Carl Anthony Towns, who, in my estimation, he's right up there with uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Anthony Davis as far as freshmen who who get it. You know, we've had some talented guys who have done a lot of things, but they – are on that next level of getting it and, and what it does, what it takes for the team to win. I mean, Carl's passes out of the post. I mean, that is that's just that is just a a hidden weapon, you know, because you know he's going to get the double teams. But if he can double, if he can pass out of the double team, not just to get it out to you know a guard on the perimeter, but to look you know down to Willie Cauley Stein or whoever. That's a whole other weapon that teams have to deal with. So it's just it's a bounty of riches. And the number one thing is these guys they enjoy it. They've embraced it. You know they're not running from uh, everybody having a target uh, on them. And this is just like we've said they're kind of they're they're making history, and we just get to to watch it. Yeah, yeah, and and like you said, Cavs uh, is making the right pass at the right time. He's seeing where the double is coming from, and he's reacting quicker to it. I mean, they're swarming him immediately, and he's, he's, you know, ready for it. He's not having to double back or or be startled or caught off guard. He's already, you know, knowing what move he's going to make and staying a step ahead, you know, hitting the open guy. Like you said, you know, the -the over-the-shoulder pass to Willie against South Carolina, uh, the pass he made last night. you can just see, and they came in with high basketball IQs, but you can just see them now uh, adjusting to the adjustments that have been thrown at them. You know, kind of like baseball, uh, that chess match, you know, you got a, a guy that's, you know, wearing you out, getting you out, you adjust to what he's throwing, and then next thing you know, they have to readjust to your adjustment. And it's just that constant cat mouth. And you can see uh, the wheels turning uh, with, with Booker, with Towns, and the same thing is going to happen with Lyles. Um, then once he's able to continue to play and get that groove, and he had a nice little mid-range jumper last night to soften the zone up. He got a friendly roll on it. And you'll pretty soon see uh, similar things with him, too. Uh, real quick, too, 845-277-9373 is, of course, the number to give us a call. And as we mentioned at the beginning, we do have a couple of guests, and I'll go ahead and tease them, too, at 630. We have Scott Utterback, phone journalist, Mobile Courier Journal that's going to be on. Uh, he has some great photos of UK, uh, SUL stuff as well. Um, I first saw some of his work, I think, when Kentucky played Louisville. Somebody retweeted a tweet of his, and I just followed him, and he followed back, and that's when to come on the show and just said, cool. Uh, we also have uh, Roger Lambert, an author who has an interesting story. We'll be on at 7. So we look forward to, of course, chatting with both of those gentlemen. And, of course, talking plenty of cats like we do, and then branching on out, touch on everything else that's going on. 
uh, like we do. But go ahead and tweet at us. Some of you already have at Cast Talk Wednesday. I have Benny Hardy at T-Brown underscore 80. And uh, we're going to have another fun show like we always do. Man. Uh, any soapbox stuff for you? Anything else that stood out from last night? Or South Carolina, which was just, you know, Kentucky jumped on them from the get-go and, and took care of that really quick. And then they, of course, had to take a little bit to pull away from UT last night and cruise to an 18-point win on the road. Well, I mean, there, there's really nothing to be kind of soapboxy about. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, our good friend Michelle at Forever uh, Big Blue on Twitter, uh, she wrote a piece, uh, five kind of things that UK fans should stop paying attention to, and it's absolutely fabulous, and I've tweeted it out, and we'll do so again. Uh, but the one thing is, and, and this one is the easiest, I think, to succumb to as Kentucky fans, is uh, the folks in the media that we know have agendas slanted either against Kentucky or Cal or both. Um and it's hard to not respond, to go see it, and, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, because recently, uh, Pat Forty, who has you know been, well, I, I think uh, <laughs> it's a family program, but uh, he has just been anti-UK and Cal forever. Uh, but basically, he was comparing Kentucky men's basketball, this team, to Florida State football whereas Florida yeah. State this past year didn't get challenged uh, with their schedule and, and his words got exposed, you know, in the Rose Bowl. And that just underscores what I've been saying since the Louisville game, and I said it last week and I'll keep saying it. People are going to forget what we did in the non-conference. They're going to forget it. They're going to explain away the 32 points that we beat Kansas by. They're going to explain away the way we beat North Carolina, the way we beat Texas. They're going to explain away the embarrassment, historical level embarrassment we put on UCLA's program. They're going to explain away going on the road to Louisville and and really handling business there. Yes, it was an eight-point win, but I don't think anybody could watch that game and really think that uh, that game was ever much in doubt. I said it. You know, on the show, right after the Louisville game, they were going to forget that and explain it away. And that has uh, kind of reared its ugly head. And with, with 40 and some of those other guys, the the target keeps moving. You know, they said that Cal 
uh, you know, he was a he was a cheater when when Kentucky hired him, and so they did everything they could to dig, particularly against uh, Eric Bledsoe and Demarcus Cousins, and dig and dig and dig for something illegal, and then something that didn't happen. Well, then Cal can't win with the one and done. You know, even though in 2011 uh, you go to the Final Four with a Brandon Knight-led team, can't do it with the one and done. Well, they come back, they win in 2012 with the two top players being one and done players. Well, then it's uh, Cal doesn't get anybody to come back. You know, and this year uh, Poitras comes back, and then uh, Willie Cauley-Stein comes back for their junior seasons, as well as the Twins coming back. Well, then, with all this talent, they couldn't possibly stay happy. And we see that up until this point, and they've had some adversity at LSU, at Florida, uh, you know, on the road at Louisville. They've had some games where they've had to fight and claw. Still, not a problem. From platoons to whatever, these guys are in it to win it. So now, after all those points have been addressed, now it's Kentucky's schedule that's come into question, that have they played a tough enough schedule to prepare them for March? The target keeps moving. And my thing about that is I used to be mad about it, but now I'm like, well, that's just something else we can check it off. You know, you said we couldn't do it with one and done. You said Cal couldn't get guys to stay. You said, you know, all these things you keep saying we can't do, and Cal and the Cats keep doing it. So just give us something else to shoot for. Because the more you come out like that, you're really just telling on yourself. It's no longer about what Cal's doing, what Kentucky's doing. You're just telling on how slanted and how biased you can be. So that's my soapbox for today. But uh, uh, Michelle was uh, wrote a very nice piece, and um, that just kind of got me thinking about that. Did I lose you, Vinny? I'm saying, my man, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. I said you were talking about how, um, you know, you used to get mad about it, um, and that's it. You know, if you let yourself, it'll it'll drive you crazy because it's not gonna go away. And if it's not one person, it's gonna be somebody else, or two or three somebody else's. You know, the Jeff Good, the Good uh, Jeff Goodman stuff. Uh, with Andrew Harrison and, you know, the team chemistry problem, that was his prediction there's going to be chemistry issues, or Pat Forty or whoever it is. I mean, you can get in Twitter wars and, you know, go at them and react, comment, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you're just wearing yourself out trying to run and, and police that kind of stuff. So this going I mean, they don't say what they're going to say. And then, you know, they got to sit back and watch what happens too. And they keep improving wrong like they have this year and in years past, you know, if, if they're going to keep trying to, like you say, move the target. It's going to happen. I mean, you know, ain't no need just run, running yourself to death trying to refute them. Let them sit back, you know, and, and the play on the court. More often than not, we'll, we'll do the talking for everybody. And the silence well, and, and that, of everybody. And that's the thing. Now it's, you know, if Kentucky was in this conference, what would their record be? You know, it, it, that's all well and good. And I can understand if our out-of-conference, we didn't play. We play a lot of teams, Kansas, Texas, 
UCLA, North Carolina, Louisville. I mean, I, I, I never thought I would see the point where our schedule would come into question, but here we are, uh, you know, here we are kind of grasping at straws. What Cal is doing uh, is historic, and we can see that with just the way he's handling his business here in Lexington. So um, I'm just enjoying this ride, whether or not it, it leads to undefeated, whether or not it leads to the ninth uh, title. I mean, this is just fun. These guys are fun. Uh, I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's. It, yeah, that's that's all you can do, and you can't like you said, can't let it, all that other stuff. Everything I'm say, but I kind of just throw that in the category of you know, me and you aren't huge recruiting guys because we don't have time to sit and monitor what prospect signs where and who's got who in their final five list of schools or who's in their top three or who's gonna take a visit here, who's decommitting there. Who's reopening up commitments? You know, we we talked about it. that's why we had Brian Elders on. Get a guy who covers the stuff, <laughs> and we'll just listen to you drop knowledge. Same thing with all of this stuff about you know people throwing shade. We you know we got time to sit and monitor and try to squash it. You know what I mean? It's just because it's always gonna be there. Haters gonna hate. Yeah, and it's like Cal said. You know his his thing he's got in his office. Coach your team. You know I'm I'm. I'm cheering on my team. I, I can't uh, be worried about, you know, who's doing this. And, and, and you know, I'm trying to uh, focus on my guys and 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 cheer them on. I, I can't be worried about what the what the next team is doing. Uh, I mean, UofL had a player that Chris Jones suspended for a couple of games or whatever. I can't even get into that because I'm too busy worried about my 26-0 and 0 team, to be honest with you. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's just kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's it. And, you know, it, it is what it is over there. <laughs> and, you know, maybe he'll be brought back. Maybe he's done for the year, for, you know, whatever happens. As far as he's concerned. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, twenty-six and zero, and and uh, with a legit shot uh, to run this table, uh, you know, uh, through the regular season. And uh, hey, I mean, we could be watching something that we'll be telling our grandkids about. Yeah, yeah. And it's Auburn Saturday, then at Mississippi State, and then Arkansas, who is kind of separating themselves. Uh, and got second place all along there in the SEC. They're nine and three, and they play Missouri tonight. And unlike past Arkansas slash Mike Anderson teams, they're getting some road W's. Uh, of course, you know, Kentucky definitely got payback on the line from last year with the outcomes of you know going up against the Hogs. Uh, so that's going to be a fun game on the 28th. We can have from now when they do come calling uh, to Reparina. Well, and you know, some people I've I've seen this kind of floating out even amongst Kentucky fans saying, you know, Kentucky plays down to their competition. And whether or not that's true, again, I'm going to go back to they kind of play up to the competition as well. 
I don't know. If I, it's been a long time since I've seen a Kentucky team that early in the season that as focused as these guys were against Kansas. I mean, that was because Kansas came ready to play, but they were simply just. I mean, they were run out of the building. So I don't think that you know struggling on the road against uh, Florida or or LSU that doesn't make me nervous for the tournament because those guys are going to be locked in and ready to play, especially when our starting backcourt took the team to the championship game last year. I've got full faith in those guys to do what needs to be done. Yeah, and like you said, man, we said it last week. Oh, you know, and we weren't nitpicking, but we we still kind of waiting for him to step all the way on the gas. And Jason Williams said it last night. Uh, and as as far as everything we've seen, we can still see uh, the potential for the team to get better. He's talking about how scary that was. Uh, how, you know, Towns is just not coming into his own and, and what you get him from the backcourt. Um, he saw how how just lethal they could be. And like I said, we're not, you know, picking them apart and, and trying to look things and complain about, but you can just still look for, you know, everybody else is going to be taking it to another level come March, trying to peak in March, trying to peak at the right time, not peak too soon. You hear all those cliches, and that's what everybody's trying to do come tournament time. Kentucky's going to be doing the same thing. Uh, they're trying to peak in March as well and, and hit that gear, you know, fifth gear, if you will, and, and put the pedal to the metal at the right time. And when that happens, I mean, wow. We've seen glimpses. And, and, and that's been my thing since early in the season, that when Kentucky, and we still haven't seen a great, great 40 minutes yet, and I'm not saying that to complain. I'm just kind of saying that because you can see that. But their best is better than anybody else's best. And I've seen Duke, and I've seen Virginia, and I've seen Wisconsin. Kentucky's best is better than everybody else's best. The question is going to be, are we going to be able to do that come postseason? And I feel confident we are, to be honest with you. You know, and it's, it's – it's a lot closer than you think. I mean, it's hard to, I mean, you'd say March and it still seems so far away. And you look at the schedule and there's just a few games, just a handful of games left. And then, then you know, you're playing Florida for the final home game at Rook and then it's on the next for the tournament. I mean, it was, it was virtually almost here. I'm not saying look ahead. Anybody look ahead of, you know, Auburn, Mississippi State, Arkansas, you know, and on and on. But it is really it's almost time. This season is, is zipping by. Yeah, and that's you know, my last piece that I wrote was talking about uh, uh bracketologists and, and all that kind of thing. And you remember well uh, I think a lot of people are trying to forget. And also, did you see the oral history of Billy G's time in Lexington? Did you see that? I haven't seen it yet. I sure have. I, I I saw it, and I can't remember what website it is. I'll try to dig it out. But it was talking to a lot of different people on kind of what went wrong with Billy G. And it's just a fascinating read. Uh, Ryan Lemon, who's been on the show, is is on there talking. Uh, you know, Matt Jones of KSR uh, talking. And just kind of how he wasn't really a good 
fit. But with Coach Cal outside of the 2013 season, I mean, I remember the last couple of years with uh, Tubby and, of course, Billy Jeep. I mean, there was drama on Selection Sunday. I mean, there was, you know, uh, you'd be sitting there watching, waiting for uh, where Kentucky's name would be. Well, there's no drama right now. You know, I mean, barring something horrendous, they're going to be a number one seed, if not the overall number one seed for the tournament. I mean, we're back to where we should be. And yeah. we're not making, you know, not making the tournament's not even a thought. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm already thinking about Sweet 16 matchups. Not that you want to overlook anybody, but that's kind of where we are and where I think the program should be. Yeah. It, it, I mean, they're getting their work done early. You, you know, you hear about, you know, guys in the post. Get your work done early. Get down court. You know, get your man pinned behind you, and be ready to get the ball and go up. You know, do your work early. You hear that at the pro level. You hear that at the college level, and that's what Kentucky's done. I mean, they, like you said, they've eliminated all doubts about you know what what's going to happen. Is it going to be? Is it you know? No sitting on your hands. No holding your breath about any of that stuff. It's just. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You know, what uh, your first matchup is going to be, what's going to be on the, across the bracket from you is all that the anticipation really is. Uh, and then, you know, you know, FCC tournament, just because it's been a minute since they won one of those where they run the table. Of course, they're undefeated talking, run the table in national. And then who's across from you on the bracket when they come out? Exactly. So, uh, to Joe Lunardi, the, the bracketologist ESPN, his la- his latest projection had Louisville being, the I think, the four seed in our bracket. And my thing is, that's going to happen if at all possible. They're going to put Louisville in Kentucky's bracket. And yeah. that's just the NCAA swears they don't do that kind of stuff. But, okay, <laughs> you know, nudge, nudge, yeah. wink, wink. I, I think that uh, that we'll see that matchup. Uh, and I don't even think you, with the NCAA tournament, you need to fabricate that kind of storyline. The tournament in and of itself gives you all the drama you need. Uh, I think it's a little sizzle to have like a Louisville versus Kentucky, 
the games, you're going to have your buzzer beaters. You're going to have your upsets. Those stories are already going to be out there. You don't need to go out of your way to try to manufacture interest in the tournament. My thing is if Kentucky goes in uh, undefeated into the tournament, they're de facto the number one story of the tournament. And it doesn't matter who they play. As long as they're in it and undefeated, they're going to be the driving narrative of this tournament. So it really doesn't even matter who who they put there. It's going to be much the television. Either people want to see history and, continue, uh, and see us continue to win or people rooting against us. You're going to get that. So you don't really need to, you know, you know, put Indiana here or, or anything like that, like they did in 2012. So, right. uh, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. And with that, we'll segue. We have our first guest on the line. He's a photojournalist for the Little Courier Journal, uh, news, sports, uh, and he says that we can call him Scott, so we will call him Scott. We are talking to Scott Utterback at Twitter on Utterback13 of the Courier Journal. Scott, you're on with Vinnie Hardy and Terry Brown. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. Appreciate <laughs> you joining us. Yeah, I was talking about before uh, to start the show, just you know, looking at things, getting things from your perspective. Uh, I saw some of your photos. I think somebody retweeted a tweet of yours, and then I retweeted it, and then you followed the show and followed me on Twitter, and we've been messaging back and forth about getting you on, and, and we finally ever get you on, and, and glad to have you on, sir. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'll, I'll state up front, I'm not a big X's and O's guy. I don't uh, I don't know the ins and outs of uh, the sports I shoot, but I do sure love shooting a lot of sports. <laughs> Is it... Just basketball, what all sports do you do you shoot? Oh, uh I mean I shoot uh, both basketball for UK and you not not I'm not the only one here, but I do basketball for both schools, I'll do football for both schools. Um I try to get uh love uh UK women's volleyball, like U of L volleyball. Uh if I can get the softball I'll get the softball. So if they if they've got a ball in play, I'm gonna try to get there. And I mean, some and everybody needs to check him out on Twitter. Uh, it is great stuff. I'm always just fascinated, you know, looking at articles, Sports Illustrated, and different magazines. Uh, Terry and I both write uh, for Wildcat Blue Nation, so when I'm writing a piece, I'm real picky about the picture that I put with my article, that kind of thing. Um, what is it like for you shooting it? What are you looking for? when you're shooting a particular sport? Is there certain things you like, certain angles you like? Uh, what, what, is, what type of photographer are you? I don't, I don't have a lot of technical questions. It's going to be real general, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about it. <laughs> well, um, I just, you know, I, I think for the sports aspect of it, we're always trying to look for the peak action, you know, the ball just leaving the hand kind of a stuff. Uh the, the whatever the feel of the game is, whether it's a hard-fought defensive struggle or whether it's a blowout scoring thing, you know, we just we kind of want our pictures to kind of match up with that. And then um, also we look for just environment. I mean, uh, you know, the Commonwealth Stadium and uh, Rupp Arena just have a, a great uh, fan section uh, and a great environment with the eruption zone and everything. So uh, 
you know, just trying to uh, relay that a little bit through the pictures is just kind of what we're always looking for. How long have you been doing photojournalism and sports photos? Well, I was actually in television for about the first uh, 17 years of my career. And then for the last seven, I've been at the the Courier-Journal. So I actually worked at, uh, I did television uh, for WKYT in Lexington uh, back uh, in the years of uh, Rick Pitino coaching there. Uh, And then moved on to, I did a year in Knoxville. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on here. The the year Peyton Manning, for Peyton Manning's senior year, I was shooting video down there in uh, Knoxville and then uh, came up here. To Louisville at uh, Wave TV, and uh, like I said, about seven years ago, I came over to the uh, newspaper, and uh, just I've loved it ever since. That is cool. We're joined by Scott Utterback, a photojournalist for the Courier Journal. Uh, this is Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry. Of course, eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three is the number if you want to give us a call. Are you most of the time? Are you along the baselines, like at, at a basketball game? Are you going to need there in that area? Yeah, no. Yeah, we have uh, pretty much we have marked spots. Uh, so, like, it, uh, pretty much for UK, we're going to be about uh, one spot in from the outside, if that makes sense. Um, uh, but, yeah, we're usually on the baseline, and uh, it's, uh, I would say, the best seats in the house. Uh, we don't have to pay big ticket prices, and the only danger is an occasional uh, – Six eleven giant jumping over you when he goes a little too fast, a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Scott, uh, I've had the ability to cover a couple of games from Press Row, and I've gotten down there early when you guys are, are setting up. And I don't think people kind of fully understand that when you're that close, it gives you a totally different perspective kind of on what you're seeing. Because when you're watching on TV and you're sitting back, you're kind of detached a little bit, but when mm-hmm. you can hear the sneakers squeaking and you can you can sense, you know, the contact, you know, when people are setting a pick and that kind of thing, it really, it's different. You really get immersed in that. And my thing is, like, how do you keep your mind focused on just, on just taking the picture with all that kind of stuff kind of going around? Uh, you know, I think it's just uh, like everything in life. It's just something you kind of get used to. I mean, you you from down at that level, you really appreciate the battle. I mean, these they when you're watching kind of from television, and I still do watch the television. You know, it it, it seems a, a lot like a game, and it is a game. But when you're down there, I mean, these people are, you know, they're just working their tails off, and they're sweating all over the place, and they're communicating with each other. And like you said, the sneakers are going, and they're just the plays are moving so fast, and you just try to follow the ball and uh, and go with your instincts. Have you had some close encounters? I mean, or or more than that, I'm sure you probably have. But is there a particular close call that stands out with a guy, you know, diving to the baseline or taking a hard foul and kind of maybe wiping you out? Is there anyone that stands out from some of the games you called? Okay, you available? Yeah, I mean, the the only one that really stands out was a high school football game when uh, I actually got nailed by a player and he he uh, took my knee out and sprained some knee ligaments and was out of action for a while. But 
most of the basketball stuff we sit in these little chairs and we're like weeble wobbles. You know, if uh, we see a player coming, we just kind of lay down and roll, and they do a pretty good job of jumping over us. But uh, no matter why, when you see a player, uh, for instance, Trez uh, from Louisville, I've had him uh, go over top of me. So uh, there's there's just that you're more worried about their feet making contact with you because uh, the last thing you want to do is trip them up and get them hurt. Uh, and then the second to last thing you want to do is uh, get hurt yourself. <laughs> Now, 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 Scott, we. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Vinny. I'm sorry. Um, I was just gonna say, kind of following up on what you just talked about. You know, in in football, you know, the quarterback is instructed to hang in the pocket. Uh, if you try to make a throw, even you know, if a blitz is coming or defender bearing down on him, does that same rule apply? I know you don't want to get the players hurt. You don't want to get yourself hurt. But do you try to hang in there for that extra tenth of a second to? to get that shot, even if there's, you know, fire and bullets coming your way? That rule applies, but we adjust it for age. So uh, (laughs) 15 years ago, I would have stood in there and felt like I could give as good as I got from that player coming off the sideline. But but anymore, I'm uh, I'm just – I'm happy to go home. I'll back up and give them all the space they need. So (laughs) – well, well, one thing, I said, uh, you know, uh, we kind of saw this with Paul George in the uh, Olympic, uh, I'm sorry, the World Championship runoff, particularly mm-hmm. with basketball. Do you feel that, that it's it's too close, like asking these guys to stop? Like, and I know they're not going to give up the good seats being that close, but do you think that that kind of, we're kind of on the verge of maybe being – too close, especially with basketball? No, I mean, I don't particularly think so. I think it's just something everyone just kind of trains and becomes accustomed to. For instance, if if you removed all the photographers from that spot, then the player would probably run another step or two faster to try to make the play. So then they're going to be in the seats before you know it. So, you know, I think the players adjust themselves. We adjust ourselves. Uh, I mean, I I don't think there's been that many injuries, uh, you know, over the years. Um, it's just a couple that, you know, make the news stand out pretty big. But, uh, but no, it's, it's overall, it's a, it's a pretty safe, uh, pretty safe thing. And, you know, I, I don't think it's that big of an issue. No, this one is just kind of, it's probably a little bit silly, but it crossed my mind because I'm sure, uh, you definitely saw it as everyone did, and this was years back. So you would have been younger, and maybe you, I know you would have stood in there because you just said you were 15 years ago. <laughs> when 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 Dennis Rodman, you know, famously went after the cameraman, if that's Scott Utter back there, do you kind of go back at Dennis a little bit, or, or what would have happened if you'd have been in that exchange? I forgot. What did Dennis do now? Did he he just uh, did he, he grab the camera or what did he do? He kicked. I think he, he kicked, kind of kicked the guy. Oh, no, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember that. No, I'm not gonna. <laughs> under no, I'm pretty much under no circumstance am I gonna retaliate. Um, but you know, that's just me. I've I've just always kind of been that way. Uh, uh, he may get a piece of my mind. You know, there may be a couple of words, <laughs> uh, but physically, I'm probably not gonna. Especially, you know, 
uh, I don't know if you've seen me, but I'm a big guy, but I'm not in shape. So uh, I'm, uh, I don't think I'd take a punch real well, and I don't want to try to, uh, <laughs> I don't want to try to push that. So these these guys and ladies are athletes, and they're 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 toned and they're in shape. That is true. Oh, what is your what would you say your favorite shot of, of yours that you're the most proud of? What game was it, or you know the one that you kind of just say, yeah, that I uh, really that's my shot of all shots. If you had to pick one, uh, who, what game is it? What player was it? What sporting event Ooh. was it? Mm. Shot of all shots. I don't know. You know, it's. Uh... I don't know if I can narrow it down to one. I, I know photographically John Wall was my favorite player uh, that I've ever shot. Um, he, I, to this day, I swear he knew where the cameras were. When he would go for a dunk, you know, I think he would find us and look and make his expressions, and, and we were all happy when John Wall was uh, was on the court. So I've got a couple of dunk shots uh, from the year, uh, from that tournament, um, following them. Uh, I, you know, I was, I was on the baseline when UK won the championship in 2012. So, uh, there's some, uh, good celebration shots there and, uh, good action shots, but, but also, you know, sometimes it's like, for me, I like to shoot volleyball and I have this one dig that Caitlin Welch from UML did where she was like almost parallel with the ground and just had her fingertips underneath it and, and saving it, and, you know, for me, that's such a hard shot to get. You know, most people, there wasn't a huge crowd there, and it's not something anyone else is going to go that crazy out. But, uh, you know, I like I like capturing those shots that you don't necessarily normally see out there. Well, and, and, and when I think of, you know, photography and uh, even video, I guess video photography, videography, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm a college guy, right, Vinny? <laughs> but I kind of think of, and especially with the passing of uh, Mr. Ed Sable in the NFL films, you mm-hmm. think that when you look at the pictures and you look at these videos, that they really kind of take on a different spin, if you will, depending on the shot you get. You know, is Christian Leitner, and I hate to bring this up, is his shot still <laughs> the shot if we don't get that, that video or just – you know, right. the picture of Michael Jordan at the free at the free throw line. There's just those moments kind of capture everything so so perfectly that just frame our memories of an event. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus so are you always trying to get that moment or 
So if it happens, you know, you go back, you look at your, your film, and you say, this is, you know, this is the, the shot. This is what I was looking for, you know, the whole game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice when you, normally you notice that shot when it's all said and done, um, at least for me. Every, every photographer is a little bit different. But when I'm shooting a game, to me it's a lot like a roller coaster. Um, there's not a lot of time to uh, to think about things and, and, and do things like that. So, you know, I'm just trying to keep up with everybody and, and stay focused. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of times when you get back and you – uh, plug your card in and you start looking through the take, you're like, oh, wow, that's a nice shot, something like that. So, uh, uh, yeah, but no, but all of us, of course. I mean, you know, and that's one of the things I love about Twitter is as, as photographers, most of us mm-hmm. at our core, we like uh, we like affirmation, <laughs> you know. And when you are able to tweet out from the games and, and people respond to your reply or, or retweet or something, I don't know, it just makes you feel like, Oh, they kind of appreciated that picture. So uh, that's a great world Twitter's opened up, uh, for me at least, in the last year or so. Cool. So from a, um, I guess like you said, it's kind of like a roller coaster with uh, with the games and stuff. You can't just focus in on a shot that you just got or a shot that you just missed. You kind of have to be like a player, where it's a good player or a bad player, you just got to, tunnel vision and keep moving on, right? Because if you get caught up looking back, you miss action in front of you that you probably would have enjoyed getting, right? Oh, no, yeah, you're correct. In fact, when I shoot a game, I'll, I mean, I miss, and and I, every photographer is different. Again, I'll miss more shots than I get. I mean, there'll be, and you just like the athletes, you can't let it get you down, you know? I mean, there's, there's plenty of times there'll be a huge dunk in front of me and my, uh, focus will just catch something in the background and so you know uh willie collie stein's out of focus or trez you know montrez harrell's out of focus and you just you grit your teeth and then you let it go and you just keep shooting because you know with those guys you're going to get another chance at it if you just uh if you just wait a minute and i think i dated myself by mentioning developing film i I forget that (laughs) (laughs) when you say that uh, like I've got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. When I talk about you know developing film, they look at you like, oh, okay. <laughs> so has well, that, that kind of changed things a little bit as technology changes? Oh, oh yeah. But I mean, and it's something I never even experienced. Um, like I said, I worked in television for so long that when I came over to the paper seven years ago, there you know I've never shot on film. Um, and I, I joke around with all the other photographers here because they're, uh, they've been doing it for so long. They all went through that change and, uh, they tell the, the war stories, especially when we're on the road traveling. Um, you know, at some point in the past, they would shoot a game and go back to the hotel room and they would develop the film in the back of the toilet, toilet bowl. Um, and then they would have this, some huge contraption that would, take like uh, 20 minutes to feed one picture back to the newspaper. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, it's now, you know, I'll put in a 32 gig card and I can shoot 1200 pictures a game and, and not flinch and not have to develop. And I just plug it into the system and, and go through them fairly quickly. So uh, now the digital age is uh, it's a complete game changer for photography. Man, I've learned a lot in this, Session, Scott. Man, you dropped all kind of knowledge on us this weekend. 
I don't know about you, TB, but I, I have. I had just a bunch of general questions, but I, I learned a ton. And it's just always it's just always cool to look at it. And now we're getting it from Scott's perspective as to what I'll go finish bringing that shot to us. So that's, that's neat. Yeah, well, and if you all have any more questions, just call me. And uh, anybody out there listening uh, can always tweet at me. I'm uh, I'm usually on. I'm sadly almost always on Twitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've seen I've, that, I've been up uh, with insomnia, and I've seen some of your tweets come through kind of odd hours of night myself. So I'm. <laughs> and for er, for everybody listening, that's at Utterback13. The bio says news, sports, photos, and fun. Sometimes all in the same tweet, and we got yep. all of that in this interview. So man, we appreciate <laughs> going on, Scott. All right, guys. Well, thank you, and I'm sure uh, sure we'll be running into each other tournament time. Uh, Hope so. Yeah, we'll be retweeting your your tweets from all your photos, and we'll keep doing that, and we appreciate you coming on, and maybe we can have you on again sometime in the future, sir. All right, anytime, guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Scott. All right. Bye. Scott Utterback photojournalist for the Courier-Journal right there in Louisville, Kentucky. Always putting up some good pictures. Uh, UK and U of L. Uh, I mean, you know the good stuff, man. It's just captivating to look at and then study them, and then you kind of get a little insight into what he's looking for from his point of view, from his vantage point. So appreciate Scott coming on and chatting with us. Oh, definitely. We got a few minutes before our next guest, Roger Lampert, is scheduled to come on. We'll take a quick break and then look forward to chatting with Roger at about seven. We're going to talk about his book and some obstacles that he's overcome and an interesting story that everybody will, will, will want to hear about. Roger sent an email wanting to come on the show, so we're going to have him on and look forward to him giving us a call in a few minutes. You listen to Cat Talk with Benny and Terry, Benny Hardy and Terry Brown on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Hey. 
Radio.com. Second hour of the show is right around the corner. Appreciate Scott Utterback joining us and dropping photography knowledge uh, and showing us his insights. Look forward to Roger Lambert joining us in just a few minutes. Um, at the beginning of the show, one thing I forgot to do is give a shout out to. Got to go back to go back to the home front. Go back to Harlan County TV right quick on you. Uh, Eddie Creech, who has been on with us, uh, he was an assistant last year. Uh, he was coaching the secondary for the Harlan County Black Bears. He's now been named the head coach of the Harlan County Black Bears. They've made a coaching change. Uh, and Eddie's just a good kid. He's a grown man now, but he still, you know, watched him play as a member of the Cumberland Redskins, and now it's all consolidated in the Harlan County. Uh, three schools in Harlan County and now Harlan County High School. And Eddie has just been named the coach of the Harlan County Black Bears football team. Uh, so wish him well in the upcoming season. And look forward to trying to get him on before the season starts. It was a tough year last year, uh, just two wins on the year. They were hampered by injuries. They also lost a lot of players through the graduation. Uh, so look forward to seeing Eddie put his touch on things and uh, getting the program turned around. Harlan County kid coaching the Harlan County program, so look forward to that. And I was a few days late. I saw him getting congratulatory posts on Facebook and looked in Texas Post and said, whoa, and then went and uh, read the article from the paper back home. And so I had to get up to speed. I was a few days behind. Meant to give him props last week and forgot, and so – I'm rectifying all that right now. Even talked to my dad and my sister who are still at home in Harlan County and forgot to even mention the conversation amongst us talking about Eddie becoming the head coach. So congratulations to Eddie and look forward to seeing him at the helm of the Black Bears this coming football. So had to do that real quick. I look forward to Roger Lambert coming on. and uh, Pretty soon, you and ITB will be you know, going over the results from our respective schools, Harlan County and Seneca, seeing what they're going to do on the gridiron. And, you know, that little recap segment we would do last season. It'll be that time again before we know it. Exactly, exactly. With um, Like we said earlier, this year is kind of – it's marching on. I mean, we're, you know, with Valentine's Day in the in the rear view now, it's, it's – uh, getting closer and closer to March Madness. It's crazy. Yeah, it's just flying by. And speaking of flying by, the show is flying by. And our second guest is on the line now. Uh, He's an author. The name of his most recent book is entitled Paying Victory's Price. Uh, We're talking with Roger Lambert. Roger, you're on Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry. Um, we appreciate you joining the show. How are you doing tonight, sir? Doing very well. How are you? We can't complain. 
we can't complain. Been talking a little basketball, talking a little sports photography, and now we'll get to talk to you about your book, Paying Victory's Price. Can you just tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself, a little background, and how the book came to be, and some of the events that led up to the book being published? Sure. Uh, for the past uh, 41 years, I've been legally blind. But despite that, I worked uh, for 20 years in retail sales. I've had about 10 years' experience in uh, network marketing. But for 27 years, I enjoyed a career as a basketball coach in my hometown of Allegan, Michigan. I coached both boys and girls at various levels from uh, all the way from elementary up to as high as assistant varsity boys coach. Uh, I finished out my career, coaching career, uh, coaching mostly boys and girls middle school teams. During the course of my career, uh, there was a couple of things that uh, kind of bothered me uh, uh, with some of the kids. One of the things was some of them didn't want to work very hard, especially when it was time to run sprints and do stretching exercises, the more difficult things. And the other thing that kind of bothered me was uh, they often would say when you try to, to teach them a certain way to shoot or sh certain way to dribble, they'd say, well, coach, I can't do that. And I'd say to them, well, can't never did anything. And what I realized was that uh, a lot of these kids didn't understand what it takes to win. They don't understand what it takes to be successful. But I also uh, came to the realization that it's not just kids. There's many adults that don't understand what it takes to be successful. Therefore, I believe by writing my book, I could uh, create a product that would help people to understand that victory always comes with a price tag attached and that we have to be willing to pay full price if we want to have that victory. We can't take uh, shortcuts. And we have to have the belief that we can accomplish what it is we're striving for if we want to be successful. And I just believe that I could create this product and that the tools that are in this book would help other people to uh, be more successful and be able to actually uh, achieve those victories that they're striving for. That is that is excellent. All right. As far as uh, the coaching, you said you were in retail sales, and then you got into coaching, and were you, was that the trend of events how it played out? Uh, some of it kind of overlapped. Uh, I was in, uh, I was working in retail sales, and uh, I had fallen on some ice while I was at work, uh, and uh, hurt my ankle, and. Uh, just not too long before that, I'd been hired as freshman boys basketball coach. I'd been coaching elementary for a few years prior to that. And uh, after I fell and hurt my ankle, I was no longer able to have a stand-up job. So between my vision loss and not being able to have a, a job where I could stand on my feet all day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, it was kind of difficult to find employment. And coaching was just the perfect place for me to be. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, the opportunity that I had to uh, coach a game that I love, but also be able to teach the kids not only the game of basketball, but lessons about life. And some of those lessons were things that I had to become pretty good at because of my vision loss, things like uh, maintaining a positive attitude and overcoming rejection. There's a quote in, in your bio uh, where you said that no matter what obstacle stands between you and your victory, you'll find that the wide variety of success stories included in your book will be helpful in motivating you to reach beyond the obstacle in your way. So, I mean, you are talking from experience to the nth degree when you're relaying this to your readers in this book. I mean, you are speaking from things that actually happened to you. It's not like, you know, I saw this happen. You you lived it and breathed it, and now you're conveying it in your book, Peg Beach's Price. That's exactly right. Uh, some of the obstacles that I faced uh, over the course of my life with uh, vision loss, uh, first of all, it was very difficult to find employment. Uh, but when you did find employment, sometimes it was very hard to move up the ladder and get promotions. Uh, it wasn't because I couldn't do higher-level jobs, but it was because the people in management didn't believe that I could, and uh, they weren't always willing to even give you a chance to try that. And in coaching, I had obstacles to overcome also. Uh, I have a form of uh, macular degeneration. It's called Stardkart's disease, and this disease attacks the central retina. Well, the central retina is what you use to focus. And so without the ability to focus, it makes it difficult to read. It makes it difficult to pick out the features of a person's face. So as I was coaching, I could not read the scoreboard. But what I would do is I would stay in contact with uh, other coaches that were on the bench or some of the players on the bench, uh, constantly be in verbal contact with them to find out what the score was, and uh, how much time was left on the clock. The other obstacle I had was it was difficult for me when the kids got farther away from me to be able to tell who they were, and so I had to uh, learn to watch the kids uh, and figure out how they carried themselves, how they ran, uh, different movements that they made to help me to be able to identify uh, certain kids on the court. We're talking with Roger Lambert author of Paying Victory's Price. You can go to payingvictoriesprice.com uh, and get the book there, info on the book there, and find out more about Roger there. So you basically had, you know, extra hurdles in front of your hurdles. You got obstacles of just putting a good team out on the floor and, and playing good basketball. But on top of that, and learning how they play, you had to just learn 
even more details about them so you would be able to relate and and be up to speed on what was going on in the game. So you had extra extra things that you had to do as a coach to be prepared from season yeah. to season and game to game, no doubt. That's right. Yep. Uh, every new every new season was a, a new challenge, uh, but I believe it made me a better person. And you know, I'm one of these people that believes that everything worth having in life comes with a price tag attached. And if you're not willing to pay that price, then you're not going to be able to have it. And uh, you know, that's true with victory and success. That's true with uh, my situation in coaching. And uh, there were times when, uh, you know, I had teams that with a lot of talent. There were times when I had teams that, that didn't have a lot of a talent. And I think sometimes those teams that didn't have a lot of talent uh, may have been the times when I worked the hardest. I, I accepted that as a challenge and said, okay, I got some work to do here, and uh, I'm willing to do that work. And even though I had extra obstacles that the normal person doesn't have, I think we have to realize that anytime you head down that pathway that and begin that journey that leads to victory or success, you're going to be met with some types of obstacles, some types of barriers in your way and hurdles that you have to, to get over. And you have to be prepared for that. And you not only have to realize they're, they're going to come, you need some type of a motivating force that's going to motivate you past those difficult times when they come your way. And I believe that uh, finding and identifying uh, a dream that can be your motivating force is one of those things that's very life. And uh, I talk about dreams in my book. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk in today's world about dreams. We talk about follow your dreams, uh, accomplish your dreams, but you really need to find one dream that's motivating and it's usually going to come from the things that you're passionate about. One of the things I tell people to do is if they want to figure out what that dream is, think about this. If you had all the time and all the money that you needed, what would you do with your time? Whatever that is, is something that you're passionate about and you can build your dream around those types of passions so that you have that one particular dream that you've identified that's going to motivate you, and then you've got to keep it in front of you every single day. You know, you might want to cut out some pictures that resemble that dream, if it's like a dream house or a dream car, or if it's spending time with your family, get some pictures of your family. You need to look at that every single day so that whenever those difficult times come along, that's there in front of you to motivate you and help you beyond those tough times. That's a lot of... A lot of truth there. And when you got to the X's and O's as far as basketball and coaching and teaching the kids the game, what type of style did you employ? Uh, Were you up and down or grounded out defensive team? What type of game did you like to play? I really enjoy the pressing, uh, fast-paced game. Um, During my career, Back in the uh, mid-90s, maybe it was 96, 97, somewhere in there, I had the opportunity actually to come to the University of Kentucky to a coach's clinic when Rick Pitino was the coach there. And I really enjoyed that. I learned a lot. Uh, 
found out that some of the drills that I was already doing that I had learned from other coaches that I'd worked with and different people that like to talk basketball and share ideas were were things that Rick was uh, using there at Kentucky when he was there, and I'm sure he still uses today. But I also learned many other things that uh, that he did and many drills that were very helpful to sharpen those uh, pressing tools that we use. But really and truly, I love to press, and I love to uh, uh, teach press breakers and how to break presses. Yeah, and you said that you were your hometown is Allegan, Michigan. Has it yes, it close is. To Detroit, or is that close to Detroit? For how? What's the distance in relation to Detroit? Uh, it's it's about uh, three hours from Detroit. We're on the west side of the Lower Peninsula. Uh, if you know where Grand Rapids or Kalamazoo is, we're kind of in between those, but a little bit further west, closer to Lake Michigan, right where we can get all this wonderful lake effect snow that we're getting right now. Where on the mitt are you? I had a, a, a teaching assistant when I was in school uh, say he was from somewhere in Michigan, and he held up his hand and pointed yeah. to it, and we kind of looked around like, what are you doing? And then he's well, like, oh, you know, then he points to the map, and he's like, it's just a big mitt. So you have to say, okay, if you look at Michigan, you know, I'm the, your ring finger up here. <laughs> A little bit like that. So that's something I picked up from uh, from Michiganders. Yeah, <laughs> if you hold your, your left hand and you uh, go just down below where the, the your little finger and your ring finger come together, uh, down towards the bottom of your hand, that's about where we would be at. Well, that, right. I can visualize that now. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you are you a Pistons fan, Roger, or? As far as the NBA goes, or Michigan, Michigan State fan, what's your fandom as far as college and pro sports in Michigan? To be truthful, I'm not a real big NBA fan. Uh, I think the game is uh, a lot more true at the college level. Uh, obviously, I support uh, some of the Michigan teams because I've lived in Michigan my entire life. But I've always kind of liked the, the Kentucky Wildcats basketball program. Uh even before I came to the coaches' clinic when I was a boy growing up, Kentucky's been historically a pretty good basketball team, and it's easy as a person that likes basketball growing up to kind of follow teams that are usually going a long ways in the tournament in March Madness, and Kentucky's had that history, so I always liked watching Kentucky basketball. Well, you're good with us, Roger, and you just gravitated <laughs> to Kentucky a little bit, and we're, we're yeah. glad to have you. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great when I came to the coaches clinic, and you know that was I think uh, the year Jamal McClure was a freshman, and uh, I think it was okay. right after right after Kentucky had won a national championship, and they had some, still had some really great players, and uh, it was great because we got to see their practices and. Uh, Got to see him do a, a inter squad scrimmage, preseason inter squad scrimmage. So it was really a, a great time, a time to learn, and gave me some memories that I'll always cherish, and made me a little bit more of a Kentucky fan. Wow, that is that is awesome stuff. Right yeah, that is that is awesome. Now, when you're when you're coaching. 
you said you coached the middle school level and the high school level. Did you prefer one over the other, and did you have to coach any different from one level to the next? Absolutely had to coach different from one level to the next. Uh, sometimes when I was coaching at the middle school, uh, we would use, in our middle school system, we would have a, a an A team and a B team. That way we didn't have to cut any people. Everybody got to participate. Uh, and you never know. Sometimes those B team players were kids that would develop more than the A team players and actually end up being on the varsity, and some of the A teamers were no longer playing basketball. But if you were coaching uh, an, an A team at the uh, middle school, the adjustments weren't as great. But if you were coaching a B team, sometimes you had uh, kids that had never played before, and we didn't always have the ability to use the type of game that I liked, which is that pressing, fast-breaking type of a game, uh, we had to just try to slow things down and teach them how to play just a, a half-court defense. Uh, and in fact, I'd even pack it in farther than that. I, I really started with the young and inexperienced players, taught them how to defend uh, from the three-point line to the basket. And before I would increase them to a, a press or any type of an extension of that uh, area, uh, they had to prove to me that they knew how to play some pretty good help defense in the man-to-man -man, uh, setting inside that three-point area. I, I really probably preferred the high school uh, because you were working with uh, more experienced, more talented players. Uh, also, in our school, high school had the best facilities, so you know that was nice for practice purposes. One thing I really did learn, though, as a coach, coaching both boys and girls, the athleticism of the boys was great, but I loved the attitude and the willingness to learn that the girls had. Uh, boys get to middle school and high school, and they kind of look at the coach and say, oh, yeah, I know as much as you do. Girls are still looking to the coach and, and soaking up every word that comes out of their mouth and uh, trying to become better. Now, one thing I've noticed just in because uh, my, my I've got girls nine year old and six year old and they're in elementary school, but one thing I've always had a concern of is the lack of basic fundamentals that some yeah. of these coaches are about. It's you know you got one kid that can dribble, so you just basically the offense is just a one four offense and just let the one kid create. Yeah. And, and that breaks my heart because Vinny is, is like I am. You know, I'm a basketball guy. I mean, I just I, I love basketball. I will watch those Friday night, like, lower division games. I love basketball. But I just remember when I was growing up, the coaches, winning was nice, but teaching you how to play was, was the key. And somewhere along the line, we've kind of gotten away from that. Right. Yeah, and that's – that was the thing that you had to do, especially at the middle school level, was you had to be willing to uh, teach the kids how to play the game and give kids of all different abilities an opportunity to play. Uh, I just coached with the philosophy that even the worst kid on the team, if he came to practice all the time and had no skills, he deserved to get in a little bit in the first half and he deserved to get in a little bit in the second half. And if the game was... Uh, lopsided one way or at another towards the end, put him back in there again because 
That's what's going to make them better. And you've really got to stress the fundamentals every single day in practice. And that's what we did. We would we would um, make sure that they dribbled every day. We'd have passing drills every single day, form shooting almost every day. And you just have to continually go over those fundamentals again and again and again. And as you do that, you see great improvement in the kids. You don't always see it on the scoreboard because the other teams are getting better too. And sometimes you're just overmatched by the competition you have to play and you, you have to take the cards you're dealt at those levels. But as long as the kids improved, they were learning the game and they were learning lessons about life. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Then I was satisfied with the job that I did. And that's, that's, that's what I've seen that's missing. I'm sorry, Vinny. I'll just go just go plug Roger in the website again. Just talking with Roger Lambert, uh, author of Paying Victories Price. The website is payingvictoriesprice.com. Uh, you can go to the website. Uh, it's a 175-page book, a must-read for people of all walks of life, all uh, professions, occupations. It doesn't matter. Uh written with a down-to-earth, enjoyable style. Definitely want to go and check it out. Uh, just one quick question, too, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Terry, but as far as you, all your years of coaching, Roger, did you find that you, you talked about personally the obstacles you've had to overcome to get to where you've gotten? Uh, you talked about the A team and the B team uh, when you divide up teams and you know, allow everybody to play. When kids found themselves on that B team, did you find kids more inclined to, to work harder on the B team than the A team once teams were made? Or, or how did that kind of work out in your years of coaching? It really depended on the group. I had some groups of B teams that worked extremely hard, uh, and I had some groups of, of B team players that didn't have a real good work ethic, and the A team just plain outworked them. Uh, so, you know, it, it varied from group to group. Uh, one of the things, though, that, that was always fun for me if I was coaching a B team, because uh, the A team and the B team would, would do certain drills together and they would share the gym every day. Uh, we'd work on one end, the other team worked on the uh, on the other. And sometimes we'd get a chance to scrimmage. And usually the A team coaches would always want to try to press the B team. And if I did a really good job of teaching them uh, a really good press breaker, they'd have a hard time pressing us. And, and that was when I'd, I'd really uh, sit back and kind of just chuckle a little bit because sometimes those A-team coaches would go home just shaking their heads because I had a group of kids that were willing to work hard and listen to me, and they got so good at running the press breaker, even the more talented players <laughs> couldn't trap them and couldn't get them uh, to give up the ball. So uh, when that was happening, the A-team coach wasn't very happy, but I was just laughing all the way home. <laughs> so in in that situation, uh, it was about the X and O's, not the Jimmy's and Joe's. Right, yeah. 
it can be about X's and O's. Uh, you know, uh, there's certain times in the game you've got to be in the right position, and when you're being pressed, that's one of those those times. And I always believed uh, the way Rick Pitino believed, and he said that every pressing team in the world wants the ball on the sideline because they want to use that sideline as an extra defender. So, therefore, if you're going against a team that's pressing, where do you want to get the ball? You want to get it into the middle of the court. And so I, I would use press breakers that were designed to get the ball in the middle of the court. And uh, if people weren't in the middle, you struggled. But if you got people in the right positions and made the right cuts, it was very difficult to defend. And, of course, you had to have kids that were willing to give up the ball because the big mistake that a lot of young players make is they want to try to dribble through a press. You can do that if they're not very good at pressing, but as soon as you run up against a real good press, that's just not going to work. So one of the tactics I used to use sometimes when we were working on a press breaker is I'd put a three or four defenders out, not a full team, and I'd give the kids the ball and I'd say, uh, all right, now you got to get the ball up the court, but you're not allowed to dribble. you got to pass. Right. And that, when they did that, uh, they'd quickly catch on to the idea that, hey, this works pretty good. Maybe we ought to try this when we're actually playing in a game. Yeah. This has been great, Roger. So appreciate you just sharing all your insights and everything that you've had to do, um, obstacles and, and people doubting you. Uh, yeah. You overcome all that and you just let it kind of roll off your back. And even in the book, you challenge readers to do the same thing when obstacles are in front of them. That's right. You know, I've always believed that even though I had vision loss, I was going to live my life and do the things that I enjoyed, and I wasn't going to let it stop me from having a, a fulfilling life. And uh, when I was younger, uh, some of the things that I did as a, a person with uh, a vision loss, because I was 22 when I was declared legally blind. So I, I had a lot of obstacles to work through at that time, not being able to drive anymore and things, but I still did a lot of the things that I enjoyed. I played uh, men's basketball leagues for a number of years after that. I played uh, men's slow-pitch softball. I was actually the pitcher on the softball team, and uh, I couldn't see the if the ball dropped in front of the plate, on the plate, or behind it, but I could see inside the and outside, and so the, the pitcher and the, or I mean the catcher and third baseman, first baseman, they'd just talk to me and they'd say that one was short or that one was long, and I'd make adjustments and guys would hit line drives back at, me. I'd catch them and turn double plays, and sometimes they hit them back at me and the ball bounced off me, and then I'd pick it up and throw them out. But uh, wow. I always enjoyed it, and I, I just didn't allow my vision loss to stop me from doing the things that I enjoy. I still don't. I still bowl and I still golf, and uh, I just like to have a, a fulfilled life and encourage other people to do the things that you want to do and try to accomplish those things in life that you'd like to accomplish. That's the right mindset. I just got a couple more questions for you, Roger. Uh, you sure. mentioned yourself playing basketball in the men's league. If you had to give a scouting report of yourself and your game, what, what kind of player were you? Were you a shooter, a scorer, a passer? Defender? What, what type of I was player, a, basketball player? 
I was a, a real good scorer and also a very good rebounder, even though I'm not exceptionally tall. I'm around six feet tall. Uh, I played for a very small high school, had a semi-pro basketball player uh, coach me for a year, and he taught me the importance and the uh, knowledge of how to box out. And uh, I used that very well throughout my career as a high school player. My senior year of high school, I averaged 18 points and 16 rebounds a game. Uh, One of the, the really cool stories that happened to me was after I was declared legally blind, I went to a, a college in Grand Rapids, and I joined a intramural basketball team. And we were playing a game one day, and there was uh, about 30 seconds left on the clock, and we got the ball, and we were down by one point. And they just kind of were passing the ball around the outside. We all agreed we we're going to go for the last shot. And all of a sudden, I caught the ball, and everybody, I didn't know how much time was on the scoreboard or anything, you know, and all of a sudden, they're all yelling, shoot, shoot. So I shot, and I made the shot, and we, the buzzer rang right after I shot, and we won the game, and I've always uh, joked about it. I said, that's probably basketball history. It's probably the only time in the history of the game that the only guy on the court that was legally blind was asked to take the winning shot. And uh, <laughs> the guy that passed me the ball told me after the game in the locker room, he said, I just believe that your jump shot from 15 to 17 feet was our best chance to win. Wow. That is all right. That yeah. is all right. And so you got the clutch team too, obviously. Then. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's funny. All the years that I played high school ball, I was always one of the best players on my team. Uh, I never got an opportunity to shoot a, uh, a shot at the end of a game like that, when we were down one with a chance to make us win, I had to wait until I became legally blind before I got that chance. <laughs> <laughs> that is something else. A final question, Roger. Would you, uh, being a, uh, a Kentucky fan from Michigan, keeping your eye on Kentucky, what do you think about this year's team? They are, they're undefeated. Do you think they run the table? How do you see them? Uh, playing out the rest of this season. They're off to a 26-0 start, which is, of course, the best start in the history of the school. What are your thoughts on everything the rest of the way? Well, whenever you make it this far into the season uh, without being defeated, it's kind of hard not to put your money on a team like that. And I certainly think that, that they have as a great chance of running the table and getting into the tournament. Now, once you get into the tournament, as we know, anything can happen. But uh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they enter the tournament with no losses or no more than one loss. It'd be great to see somebody go all the way to the tournament undefeated. Uh, But like I say, you get in that tournament and funny things happen. That's why they call it March Madness. That's why it's so exciting to watch. That's for sure. Are you on Twitter, Roger? Is there a Twitter handle that you have or anything that we can give the listeners? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm okay. also on Facebook and LinkedIn. And I also have a brand-new website. You can find all my uh, social media sites by going to my website, and that website is inspiredbyroger.com. Inspiredbyroger.com, okay. Yeah. And uh, So that's another place where you can get some information. And once again, the site is paying victoriesprice.com where you can get the book 175 pages $15 
inspirational for any person in any type of situation. Uh, so definitely appreciate you coming on and, and giving us that information. Uh, and we'll tweet that out. We've been tweeting your site out on Twitter and everything, too. We'll include your Twitter in that as well now, Roger, uh, since you're along with us, too. It's inspiredbyroger.com. Yes. Yes. Uh, and like I say, you can anybody that logs on there, they can uh, connect with me on uh, all my social media sites right from that website in the, the contact page. Or they can send me a message. I'd love to hear from uh, the fans that are listening out there and uh, just Go to the contact page on inspiredbyroger.com and send me a message and say, hey, I heard you on the radio and I like listening to you and I'd love to hear from anyone. Hey, well, Roger, thank you we very much, Roger. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Hey, it's been enjoyable. Sir, and, and we really enjoyed the time, Roger. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Roger Lambert, author of Paying Victory's Price, uh, inspiration from his own personal experiences. That is a good read for anybody uh, who's got stuff going on or obstacles in their way. Uh, Roger has done it. He's legally blind. And other obstacles he had to overcome as well. Uh, he's been able to coach, a successful coach, and, and has a lot of great things he's continued to do despite uh, the obstacles. We appreciate Roger coming on very, very much. We'll get one more little break and then jump in, talk some more uh, UK stuff, NBA stuff, NFL stuff. There's never a loss for anything to chat about. The final half hour of Cats Talk with Vinny Terry on the Brown Heart Radio Network on blogtalkradio.com. Be right back, y'all. C'est bon, ce que tu sais.
grow We done slept too long for show Love is a business and you're my witness wherever I go Without this friendship I couldn't be in this And baby I know I don't think
I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's he's quick. He can jump. And and, and with him putting up 41 points, that's when you start challenging a record that Wilt Chamberlain has, even in a game like the All Star game. I mean, that's that's pretty rarefied air when you think about all the greats that have come along and, and played. So uh, that was good to see. Uh, the dunk contest, I think it's lost a little bit of luster. You know, Zach Levine, uh, I think, did a, a, a fantastic job. But when you don't have any listers in it, I think it loses a little something. Uh, you know, we kind of touched on that last time when you think about, you know, Dominique and even Michael Jordan himself uh, competing in the dunk contest. I think when you don't have those big names, it loses a little bit. And then uh, Steph Curry with a three-point shootout. Uh, I felt it was going to be one of the Splash Brothers that was going to get hot, kind of either one. And there you've got uh, Curry kind of doing his thing. So it was it was enjoyable. Uh, it's always my favorite of the All-Star games. Uh, so I I enjoyed that. Yeah, I did too. And uh, as far as Anthony Davis, I. I definitely hate that he wasn't out there, uh, you know, on that stage with with all those other guys. But, you know, that was, you know, from a selfish standpoint, we hate to see that. But as far as his standpoint, long term, and trying to get back healthy and help the Pelicans make that push because they're breathing down the sun's neck and, and them and the Thunder fight for the eighth spot. Uh, great to see him lift the Pelicans to the playoffs and, you know, sitting out the all-star game and getting a little extra rest is definitely the smart move, you know. It's, it's even though, you know, we would have loved to have seen him out there uh, because he's a deserving all-star. But uh, hopefully he can push the Pelicans in that tough Western Conference to a playoff spot because they're, they're, going, they're in the mix. They're fighting for it. And every win they can get, it's going to be valuable uh, the rest of the way. So uh, hopefully he's able to do that. Um, the dunk contest, I was watching it with a friend of mine. Uh, my buddy Tony, him and his wife came over, their little boy. Their little boy's about the same as desires. Right, actually, in between our two boys. And, you know, we were sitting watching the dunk contest, you know, waiting for it. And we were kind of, hey, every dunk's been done, and it's, you know, it's really hard to do anything impressive. But, and I said last week, in my opinion, it was Victor Oladipo's contest to lose. And he started off strong, but then Zach Levine came out, and, you know, he was he was very impressive. And you, you could tell, that, uh-oh, he's going to make Oladipo earn this. And, you know, uh, Oladipo faltered, and Levine just kept coming strong. Uh, so it was. I was impressed. That was that was a lot better than I thought it would be. Even though we grew up and saw the best of the best, we saw Jordan Dominique go head to head, not be scared to face each other or lose to one another. Um, your boy Kobe jumped in it one year. Uh, he kind of got off the tracks when LeBron didn't get in it. And then there's one year when he said he promised that he would, and then he still hasn't. Uh, the star power of him being in a dunk contest, you know, that would have been something to see. Uh, you mentioned Russell Westbrook putting on the show Sunday. 
Imagine Russ in a dunk contest. I mean, he, he about broke his neck on the backboard Sunday. So, you know, he could bring it if he was ever into the dunk contest. It would be great to see him in it, too. A high flyer, a big name, one of the better players in the game. Uh, <clears throat> athletic as all get out. And, you know, he would have some creativity to bring to the competition as well. But, um, you know, it was a struggle for him to even get four people in the competition. And the Giannis out to the Kumpo and, and uh, Plumley, you know, it was, you kind of knew it was going to be between two smaller guys anyway. But then you put LeBron in there, you put Russell Westbrook, even the young Andrew Wiggins in there, guys like that, that would put a little more luster back into the mix if they were just doing it. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is you have to look for a, a different approach to kind of make these things uh, stand out. It's kind of like the home run derby with baseball. Uh, you know, there's all these little tweaks to kind of make it interesting uh, because you want to see the big names involved. That's you know, that's what kind of sells your sport. So by LeBron and some other uh, top-tier guys not doing it, uh, I think that kind of takes a little bit away from the dunk contest uh, because I remember, you know, way back when, you know, again, dating ourselves, like developing film, uh, most of the guys, if not all of the guys kind of participating in these events were all stars. You know, your Larry Birds and Magic, uh, not Magic, but Michael Jordans and that kind of thing. Those guys, you know, they would participate in Saturday because they were playing on Sunday. So I think that would kind of bring uh, some of that uh, excitement back as, as well. Yeah, Eva. Uh, Dr. Dave was in it, I think, 84 or 85. Larry Nance won the first one. Uh, I think he beat Dr. J. And this is Dr. J who's not in his prime. This is an ABA Dr. J that we see, you know, clips of dunking on Bill Walton. <laughs> Poor Bill Walton. Dunking on Bill Walton all the time back when he played for the Nets. This was older Doc who was about to retire because, you know, young rookie Charles Barkley's in the league. This was Doc L in, and he still competed. He already won a championship in 83, but here it is, 85, and he's, you know, about to call it a career, and he still jumped in there. So, you know, uh, it's just not that – it's not like that anymore, and it'd be cool if you guys did it, you know. Uh, the big name, big draw guys, if they were to do it. Right, and that's what you'd be that's what you'd be looking for. Um, so we'll 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 see how that goes. And the uh, three point contest was good stuff. Uh, I mean, the, the field there. You talk about everybody jumping in. You had every shooter in the league, every sniper of a shooter. Cal Corver, JJ Reddick, the Splash Brothers. Um, Wes Matthews, James Harden, you know, the who's who as far as, you know, guys stepping in that were really going to, you know, these are the best shooters in the game, and they're all going to jump in and see who's the best. Uh, and, and Steph took them all down, and he hit that groove where he hit 13 straight. Um, and we even had that conversation, I think, 
Splash Brothers or the field. You know, he kind of had that Tiger or the field back in the day as far as when it came to majors. Would it be one of the Splash Brothers that would win it, or would one of those other six guys jump up and and knock them out? You know, I'm a Harden guy. I'm a Rockets fan, but I, Harden's more of a scorer. I, I didn't see him winning the three-point competition. Uh, and he, it didn't come. To, it didn't happen for him. I kind of thought Corbett would win it because I don't know. He's just. I mean, they're all locked in. But I just went with Cal Corver. It turns out it was. It came down to the Splash Brothers, and, and Steph got the better of Clay and Kyrie Irving in the finals. Exactly. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, uh, there was a tweet. I can't remember who had it during the three-point contest about your guy, uh, James Harden. Someone saying that one of the ball racks had driven past him for a layup, uh, a nod to his uh, defense, if you were. So <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he's working on it a little bit. I'm not going to say he's great, but so far this year, he's better than he was last year. And that's, well, it's hard for him to get much worse than he was last year, to be honest. But, He's, he's he's at least admitting the fact that you know that those YouTube clips bothered him, and you know he he, he admits that he loses focus, and he admits that he has to put the work in on that end, just like he has so far in the offensive end. So <laughs> I'm not gonna say he's ever gonna be the glove or Bruce Bowen, but he'll try to tighten that up a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, it was and I don't think he last year that was, that. he was horrible last year. God, those YouTube clips, man. He's just out there just dilly dallying around, people going back door on him, and he had no clue. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean goodness <laughs> gracious. <laughs> but it, it was a good, enjoyable uh, All Star game. Yes, and. uh and now that I'm a Rockets fan, I pull for the West. So, not that you know home court advantage in the finals was riding on it, but I was glad to see the West get the win. Back when I was a Hawks fan, before they messed up with the Knicks trade, I always pulled for the East every year. But I was glad to see the West get in there and, and get the win and come down to a close game like it always does. And you know, pick start getting set and defense starts being played and. It, it was fun to see. It always is. But but can I say just how uninspiring the uniforms were this year? I, I just, oh, you didn't like those? I don't know. It, it, I, I remember way back when when you had those standard, like, red and white and blue uniforms. And then they went that stretch where the uniforms kind of mimicked the – they had something to do with the home city. They kind of favor right. the home team's uniforms because there was the one year where they had the cactus on it when they were in uh, Phoenix and things like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. They're just uh, – this year, just it didn't wow me like, like usual. Hmm. I was all right with them, I guess. I don't know. They, it jumped out at me because it was different colors all together. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's, that's different. But – uh. And then when they were tired, for a time they did it like at the park. You know, one 
One conference wore the dark broke uniforms. The other team wore the home white, no matter regardless of the team. So you have, you know, the yeah, white they, outfit. That was kind of cool. That was like the playground to me. Yeah, it was like with uh, with baseball where you just wear, you know, your, your own home or road uh, uniform. Because uh, I think that was late 90s, early 2000s. Because I remember uh, Jordan wearing his own, uh, I think when he was with the Wizards. So I, I remember that. And uh, I don't know. I, I just wasn't a, a huge, huge fan. Right, right. I can see that. I can see that. Oh, switching to the NFL real quick. I thought I saw just a couple articles I glanced at. One where it said your guy Frank Gore was the shoe-in to leave San Francisco and head to Indianapolis. And then another one where it said that the 49ers front office was definitely doing their best to try to hang on to Frank Gore. So what do you think and what do you feel? What do you hope? What have you heard? Well, I hope they keep him because I feel he's got some – he's still got some mileage left on those tires. And he's he's one of those guys. He's become he's become a 49er for life. I mean, he's put in some work and really produced. I mean, uh, he, he played on a lot of just brutally bad teams and was still kind of the lone bright spot. But at this point, I have no idea what the front office is doing. No clue. Letting Harbaugh walk. So I have no idea what's gonna what's gonna happen, to be honest with you. Uh you know, they say they wanna keep him, but you know, they always you know, teams always say that before they cut somebody or trade somebody, so I have no idea what to uh make of that. Yeah. Uh and there's all kind of news that you can dive into. You repeat the last week as far as my cowboys with Marco Murray and Des Bryant and uh, talking about possibly franchising Des Bryant. And they hadn't talked with his agent in forever. And some random fan tweeted at Des and the Cowboys saying, I, I really just love Des's dedication to the Dallas Cowboys. And, and Des RT'd it saying, I wish they could see it too, but it's business. So I understand that. It's something to the fact that, you know, I'm good even though it's business, I understand, uh, even though he's definitely one to, to try to remain a Cowboy, too. So we'll see what, what happens with that. Um, all that news is about to hit. The NFL Combine stuff is about to hit. The picture of Jameis Winston with the gut is about to just go everywhere. And, you know, everybody's about to get poked and prodded and monitored and weighed and gouged and all that with the Combine coming. I'm not a huge combine guy. I don't really, you know, I'll see the highlights of the results on Sports Center. I don't sit and just watch it nonstop on NFL Network. But it is that time, and then it's draft time. But uh, I mean, Jameis is going to get more grilled in interviews, you know, due to his actions off the field, more so than even him showing up out of shape at the combine. And he kind of just brought that on himself. Well, my whole thing is with all this pre-draft, and we really see it with the NFL, we see it a little bit with uh, the NBA. Uh, people just put so much stock in these pre-draft workouts, watching these guys go through these drills and totally not even pay attention to 
seeing what they did actually in a game. That's what throws me off. It's like, hey, we've seen you play at this high level, but we're going to put basically we're going to put all this uh, weight on, on seeing you throw, you know, running from cone to cone, that kind of thing. That's the one thing that kind of throws me off about this whole draft combine process. Yeah, to kind of quote AI, you know, Alan Iverson and his practice rant, not a gang, not a gang, not a gang. We talking about combine drills, you know, because they, they do, uh, you know, shuttle runs and 20 times and all that. So, yeah, um, and it's still just as inexact as a science on draft day as, as it gets. I mean, you referenced Peyton Manning, Brian Leaf, um a week or two ago, and then you have the Kevin Durant, Greg Oden, of course, he was his more injuries and stuff, but you just don't know how that stuff is going to play out. And you have Tom Brady, the last pick of the draft, and look at all those quarterbacks that are picked ahead of him, you know, T. Martin and, and all kinds of guys uh, who aren't in the league anymore. You just don't know. Well, and, and that's the thing is, for all the Mel Kuyper juniors and all this kind of stuff, for the most part, the draft is just – it's a crapshoot. I mean, it really is. When you look at the Super Bowl and you didn't have a first-round draftee starting for either team, I mean, that's <laughs> – if that doesn't make you kind of stop and pause as far as putting a lot of stock in, you know, a first-round draft pick, I mean, just look at that. And, and that's kind of the way it has been. Uh, for the last few years, that you don't have a lot of these first round uh, picks, particularly uh, you know offensive, defensive line, that kind of thing. You you have to find those gems in the middle to late rounds. That's how you really bolster your team. I mean, you look at the the Spurs in basketball. You know they've been so good; they've always been drafting at the last of the first round, and still finding. You know, Tony Parker, I think he was at the end of the first, and Ginobili was, uh, you know, in the second round. That's how you really build a long-lasting franchise, and that's how the Patriots do it, starting with Tom Brady and, and all the other uh, guys they draft. They they find those diamonds in the rough. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one last thing, a couple last things before we wrap up. You got Duke and North Carolina coming on at 9 o'clock. What was Syracuse is on right now, and then when that's over with, Carolina and Duke. Uh, Duke is at home. Carolina's struggling a little bit. Uh, I will say that Duke will hold serve at home. What about you? Yeah, uh, but I don't know. With, with rivalry games, particularly that game, you know, we have seen some undermanned Duke teams. Um, you know, beat Carolina and vice versa. So I'm not going to go ahead and just say it's, you know, de facto going to happen like that. But Duke at home is going to be tough. Uh, but Carolina, they have talent. We, we've seen them play uh, very, very well. They've just been uneven this season. But I will kind of lean with Duke on this one. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Uh, and on Twitter, National Drink One Day is trending. So there's that. For those who didn't know, if you already knew, you probably already have done so, but just throwing that out there, just happened to see that. That's 
Weird stuff's friends on Twitter, and that was that's something different. You don't see that every day. So, <laughs> just thought I'd throw that out there. So, TMZ, Jerry Rice said his daughter's the next Lauren Hill, so maybe she's got a little musical talent. I didn't know. Maybe you know a little something about your boy's daughter there. I have never heard that, but maybe she got some music coming out. By that, I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm not going uh, too far with the uh, great one there. <laughs> it just I just refreshed and there it was. So I don't know. He's saying she's the next Lauren Hill, but we'll if she is, we'll know about her. If she's not, we probably won't. Amari Stoudemire going to the Mavericks. I just they're in the Rockets division. That now that's Rondo, the Torch Taylor. Taylor Parsons, former Rocket, Rocket matches deal. He was a restricted free agent. He goes to Dallas. Now they bring in Amari Stoudemire. Uh, they didn't really have a lot of big men. You got Turks and Tyson Chandler. Amari, when healthy, can still shoot the jumper, 15, 17 footer for him. Still get on the board a little bit. The West is tough, and this is shaping up on paper to be a, a nice move by uh, Dallas to get Amari since he was bought out of his contract with the New York Knicks. And no doubt he's glad to be on a contender. Anybody, anybody that can have a chance to win anything as opposed to being with the Knicks. Yeah, I don't put too much stock. I think the the Mavericks are kind of stuck where you don't want to be kind of the middle of the road. Yeah, you're making the playoffs, you know, you're, you're going to make the playoffs, but you know, do you really have a legitimate shot at coming out of the West? I I, I don't know. Um, to I, I think it's kind of rearranging the the deck chairs on the Titanic. I'm not sure it's uh, <laughs> going to make them that much better to make that much noise uh, in the playoffs. But uh, one thing about Mark Cuban is he's going to do what he can to help his team. A lot of owners won't do that, uh, so you definitely have to respect that. Yeah, I think I see it a little different. Just maybe, you know, as a Rockets fan, I have to see them so much more since they're in the same division. But, you know, having said that, they took the Spurs to seven games last year in the first round. That was the toughest series that San Antonio had in the entire playoffs. I mean, they could have went either way. That game seven was down to the wire. So I don't know. If if they're able to beat San Antonio, uh, I don't know how far they go, but that was a heck of a series. And I don't know. I, I just do not care for the Mavericks. I know you got your team. You don't care for being a Lakers fan. Mine's always been the Mavericks. I was cool with them the year they beat the Heat when LeBron first went to Miami. But other than that, they always just they get, uh, they get on my nerves. That's just to, to me. That's just them bolstering and getting ready. Cause it's gonna be tough. Whoever wins the West is gonna have battle scars to show for it. And I think it's a solid move. And they're a threat. And I think that's just that's just getting better. I, I don't know. We'll see in a couple months. I hope you're right. Let me just say that. <laughs> I hope they are doing a range of deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> well, don't don't mind me. I'm a bitter Lakers fan, so don't don't mind me because uh, the other night the Lakers are on, and I was uh, watching it 
with my lovely wife, and she said, who are these people? And I said, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't. With the five Lakers on the floor, I didn't know five of them because Nick Young wasn't in the game. And the only reason I know Nick Young is because he's dating Iggy Azalea. That's it. These are not your grandfather's <laughs> Lakers. These aren't your dad's Lakers. Right. These aren't even Lakers I knew from uh, 2010, the last time they won a title. I, I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. You want Shannon Brown to come back, don't you? <laughs> at, at least at I knew who point, that guy was. At least. <laughs> at least I knew who another, he was. That's another singer husband, too. He married to Monica, right? That's right. And I'm I'm, I'm going to go on my Stephen A. I would take Slava Medvedenko over some of these guys. Ah. <laughs> now, that's saying something, boy. That is saying something. <laughs> is Miss T B a Lakers fan, too? No, she is she is kind of indifferent. Uh, I think her her football team, she's kind of a Bengals fan because that's where she's uh, born and raised, but also uh, she's a Rams fan because, uh, you know, she went to St. Louis and she was a waitress in college when they won the Super Bowl. And uh, she said she made quite a bit of money that night when they, were, when they won the Super Bowl because she said people were just – People were tipping, so she made some good money. So she, the the good thing is she knows her sports, so that that, that makes it good, and she tolerates me uh, when I'm watching a game or something like that. So she's uh, she's a champ like that. Well, good stuff, man. Good stuff. And that about puts the bow on another show for us. Uh, historic show, Kentucky making history, going to 26 and 0, the win over Tennessee. We talked about that. As you knew we would, because I mean, how can you see Kentucky make a history with all their tradition? I mean, it takes a lot for them to make a, a noteworthy historical achievement, and they did so last night. Uh, so that was good to see. And it, it, you know, outside of Louisville, North Carolina, sure, Donnie Tindall's in his first year, but you know, it, it came against a border rival uh, in Tennessee. Especially the way they do us in football, and good to go ahead and get the win on the road at Thompson Bowling Arena. Uh, all the Tennessee fans here, most of them were, you know, talking to me about, you know, well, y'all are going to go undefeated. You had a few of them talking about, ah, we're going to, can't wait to see y'all go down when you come to Knoxville. But for the most part, they knew that, you know, Kentucky was going to win. I had a couple of them right after the football game, which, you know, Tennessee laid the wood to Kentucky 50-16. to 16. I covered that one at Steelers Stadium. I had Tennessee basketball fans saying, can we just go ahead and cancel the basketball game? Because <laughs> for after the football game, they're already not wanting to play Kentucky basketball. And I was like, no. Did you just see the 50-16 to 16 score y'all put on us in football? We are not about to cancel the basketball game. So, you had that kind of back and forth that's been going on with me down here in the ball fans for the past few months. So Kentucky made history last night on their court, and it was good to see. Um, Tennessee was playing great at the start of the year. That kind of reality kind of hit them now. Under man, first-year coach, not a lot of height, not a lot of depth. And, you know, that's the way it's going to be until they're able to get a few more players down there. And if Don Kendall's even able to stay down there as coach, you know, with all the stuff he got going on in Southern Miss. So we'll see how that plays out. And we enjoyed our guest, Scott Utterback, 
Roger Lambert. Uh, enjoyed the tweets and retweets. Michelle out there sending the tweets and retweeting and favoriting our tweets. Appreciate all that. Uh, look forward to everybody having a good evening and coming back and joining us uh, this time next week, uh, 166 hours from now, 6 o'clock next Wednesday, TV and I will be back on. Uh, and we'll be able to do it again, man. Great, great show. Great, great guests. Another another good uh another good night. Thank you, Benny. Hey, appreciate it, B. Have a good night and stay warm, bro. Oh, but I don't want you. You send my soul.